Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Rutgers fans, a little something different for you guys today. We're doing an instant reaction pod to the Sean Ryan commitment. He's the former Temple and West Virginia wide receiver. He also went to Rasmus Hall. Richie, this came together really quick. Uh, he went to, into the portal yesterday, and he was committed by today. Uh, just tell us a little bit about how this whole uh, commitment went down. Um, I mean, Rasmus Hall kid entering the portal, I think we kind of all knew this one was going to happen. Uh, this is, I think I did the math. I think I put in the article too. I think he's the seventh Erasmus Hall, eighth Erasmus Hall kid to join Rutgers since 2005. Deontay Roberts, uh, Aaron Cruikshank, um, Son Abram, Christian Izian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As soon as he entered the portal, Rutgers reached out pretty quickly. Um, director of recruiting, Timothy Silvernail, and director of player personnel, I believe he is now, Eric, um, Eric Josephs. I, I think that's his title. I can't remember, to be honest. But um, these guys change titles like every day. Yeah, he's the director of player personnel. There you go. See, I, see, I'm, I'm good. You got it. You got it. <laughs> but no, they reached out pretty quickly. Um, those are kind of the two portal guys, two recruiting guys in general. They don't just handle the portal, but they reached out, gauged his interest. And it was almost a wrap from the beginning just because he wants to play with his old high school teammates. He gets to play back home. All his family and friends get to see him play his last, uh, last year of college football. And Rutgers also gets a pretty damn good wide receiver threat, a tall one at that. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, you kind of segued nicely into this. What are we getting in Sean Ryan as a player? Uh, a tall receiver, pretty good hands, solid route running. He produced pretty well at, um, at West Virginia. I think he had 399 yards and three touchdowns last year. Um, I know Aaron Brightman actually tweeted it out before. I wanted to bring this up. He averaged 16 yards per catch on 25 receptions this last year. That's the most a Rutgers receiver has had since 2015 with Leonte Crew. That's that, wild. That's it's an embarrassing stat, but it proves how good of a get this is. This kid has crazy potential. Um, he could have a big senior year. I'm not saying he's going to get 1,000 receiving yards or anything like that, but he could be a great weapon that's going to get like maybe like a five to six, to even maybe I'd argue 700-yard range. If used correctly, if Gavin Wimsack can get the protection needed to get him the ball, um, this adds to a wide receiver room that didn't really have a weapon after Bo Melton and Cruikshank. Once Cruikshank went down, it was down to Bo Melton, and they would just basically lock him up, double coverage, whatever they had to do to just not get him the ball. And no one else really showed out. Ideally, you could develop some of the younger guys. You got a four-star coming in. You got Rashad Rochelle, who's a pretty good athlete coming in. But these are all young kids. You can't really expect a ton out of them. So that's where Sean Ryan comes in, experienced veteran, played at in AAC and in the Big 12 at Temple in West Virginia. He's proven he could do it at this level. So it's it's kind of a playmaker that they really need it. And I, I don't think they're done with the wide receiver position yet. It doesn't seem like that either from the way that they're continuing to start following new uh, wide receivers who enter the portal. Uh, we also started following his teammate, uh, a few days ago, his name's Winston Wright. He was the leading receiver on West Virginia last year. Mm. I don't know if that gives us any sort of an in with him, but there is another receiver that we started following recently. I think yesterday, actually, he's a New Jersey local. 
Uh, his name's Isaiah Alston. He's a, a an army receiver, and you think army receiver, he's probably like not very good, but he had some pretty gaudy numbers considering how little they throw last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was yesterday as well. So I, I do think that if they find two receivers they like, just from what I'm seeing, I think they would take two receivers, and they need two receivers at least, probably even more than two receivers. I mean, yeah, easily. I'd easily argue that one. Krukshank, we don't know if he's going to be 100% at the start of the season. That's a pretty nasty uh, knee injury there. Hopefully he can recover. With today's medicine, it shouldn't be as long of a timeline for him to uh, recover and get back on the field. But at the end of the day, you never really know with these knee injuries. I could speak from personal experience. I've had two ACL injuries on both knees and or one on each knee, and I still can't get anywhere near to what I was before. I play in my men's league and I'm struggling to even like touch the rim at this point. I used to be able to like really closely dunk a tennis ball and I'd be that guy that was like, yeah, I could dunk. No, not really. But I'm like this close. And now it's like, (laughs) holy shit, I can't even jump. Like this is bad. So it's, um, but going back to Isaiah Alston, it's another tall receiver. They clearly want these tall receivers if possible. Yep. Obviously they want speedsters at the end of the day, but if you can get these tall guys that can run fast, it's like, it's a no-brainer, especially with the wide receiver room you have that has shown nothing really at this point. Yeah, and it's kind of surprising how how high of a yard per catch Sean Ryan has given his size, and he's not the fastest guy. He's got he's got enough speed to get open, but yeah. he's just got really good hands and really good body control in general in terms of being able to high point a ball, being able to adjust to a ball in the air. Like he's, he's a savvy veteran receiver who will be a nice safety blanket, if nothing else for, for Gavin. I think he's, he's very reliable from what I've seen. And he had his by far career best year in 2021, which is always good. You want to see guys ascending, not guys who have been kind of either flattening or had like a down year going into the portal. So yeah, it's a good sign. Oh, my bad. I, I want to just say no. real quick. I know um, we talked about it off the pod. He, he gained a lot of interest. Now, it wasn't like just Rutgers was after him. Yeah, there was a lot of G5s that were pushing super hard for him. But interestingly enough, like one of the air raid offenses out of the Pac-12 in uh, Washington State reached out to him. Their offensive coordinator followed him almost immediately after he entered the portal. I know Ryan's talking to Alex in a little bit. Uh, I talked to him a little bit yesterday as well. He basically just said, like, he got a lot of interest, but at the end of the day, it was all Rutgers. But the fact that an air raid offense wants a receiver like this, it's it's kind of telling that, like, you're getting a pretty damn good wide receiver. And I know we also talked about um, – I have access to, like, all the USA Today photos, and there's a bunch of them of Sean Ryan at West Virginia. He's making some crazy good catches. He has insane length, and his wingspan's wildly long. So, I mean, this this is going to be a very, very good get for Rutgers. I know a lot of people just look at the numbers and they're like, oh, f- not even 400 yards. This is this is great, whatever. Yep. No, he's he's going to be a very good player for you. Yeah, and West Virginia spreads the ball around a lot, too. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of quick passing. And Sean Ryan seemed to be their guy who was the deep threat on that team. And for a 6'3", you know, 200-pound guy, being the deep threat kind of shows about his physical abilities. And we're used to West Virginia being a super high-powered offense, but they've kind of been struggling – they haven't really been like as wide open of an offense as they used to be with like the likes of, you know, Geno Smith and Pat White yeah. when we were younger and, you know, we had West Virginia on the schedule every year. Yeah. So they're a little bit different of an offense now. Yeah. It's not, it's not the same ever since Rich Rod left. Um, you can argue Dana Holgerson had a couple good years there and actually he's, he's producing down at Houston too as well. But <laughs> once, once those two kind of dipped out, it's just the West Virginia hasn't been the same team whatsoever. 
And that, that kind of affects his numbers as well. I know what do you, what would you just say? He had 25 catches or something like that on the year. Yeah, 25 catches, 399 yards, and it's like he's used a ton. Now, don't expect him to do like any like bubble screens or anything like that. So hopefully, Sean Gleason opens up the playbook a little more with a, a bigger wide receiver guy like this. Yes, yeah, so we also kind of touched on it. What does this mean uh, for the recruiting of transportal guys moving forward? Possibly another receiver. Uh, looks like tight end, offensive line, linebacker. Is that about right? Um, I'd say offensive line is the biggest key right now. Um, they're, they're reaching out to a ton of guys. Willie Tyler is one that's probably their main target still. Still hasn't made a decision. He did go visit SMU after visiting Rutgers. Sounds like those two are probably the top two schools for him, but he, I think he's still trying to feel it out and gauge a little bit about where uh, where he can kind of get another offer maybe or two. I know a lot of guys, that's that's their biggest thing still. It's it's still all about offers. I talked to a transfer portal kid yesterday again, and I was like, oh, like, where, where are you kind of standing? I know you got like eight, nine offers, probably. I think three or four of them are power five. He's like, I just want more offers. I want more offers first. And then I'm like, dude, come on. Like, it's the transfer portal. Either commit or you're you're probably screwed at this point. But, um, well, there's, I mean, there's some weird situations with transfer portal guys too, because I'm sure they're all getting squeezed and like yeah. the offer that's there today might not be there tomorrow. I don't know if you saw this, Virginia Tech got two commitments from quarterbacks within yes. like 10 minutes of each other yesterday. Yeah. Uh, do you know anything more about that? Are they like, were they trying to get to? Apparently they were trying to get to, and they're, they were very confident in getting to, I know Jason Brown's actually huh. a New York kid, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he came from St. Francis in Pennsylvania, and he went to South Carolina last year with his receiver. I forget his name, but they, they were like a package deal, and Rucker, that didn't work out. Rutgers showed a little bit of interest in him last cycle. They didn't show any interest this time around, which whatever it is what it is. I don't expect them to really pursue a transfer quarterback unless it's a kid that's like, hey, I'm willing to be third string like or fourth string. Like This is this is fun. Like No, no one's ever going to do that. But, <laughs> um, going back to Rutgers a little bit, I'm looking at the – the scholarship chart I, that we just updated today, it, it looks like the number is at 90 right now. So if you are going to add an offensive lineman, a linebacker, and potentially another wide receiver, maybe even a tight end, that's you're going to be at 94. You're still going to have to cut nine other kids. Now, I mean, most of you can probably look at it and kind of see where they're most likely going to cut weight. You have a ton of offensive linemen. That's where it's a little questionable. I know there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 that are technically considered freshmen going into next season. If you count redshirt freshmen and incoming freshmen, then I have seven of those. That's just that. Then you have five sophomores and another five juniors and technically one senior, I guess, if you count it. Eligibility wise, I tried to make it the depth or the scholarship chart to match their extra year that they got. So it's kind of like you'll see Raekwon O'Neal as a redshirt junior technically next year. Yep. which is weird because he's been here for, I don't even know how long at this point. A while. Yeah. yeah. So it's this whole like the COVID thing messed everything up, but I do think you'll see some attrition and probably the beginning of spring, you're probably in the next week or so too. And then after, after spring, you'll obviously see people see the depth chart and they're like, Oh shit, I'm like fifth. I'm out. So we'll see what happens there, yeah. but they'll, they'll have to make room. But I do think offensive lineman linebacker are the two top priorities. After that, you could probably, if you can get on the wide receiver, they do it. If not, I, I could see them just saying, all right, whatever, we'll rock with the wide receivers we got. Um, I think offensive line is the biggest priority right now. And they're they're pursuing a left tackle. If that doesn't happen, maybe an interior guy. Maybe they revisit a guy like Dunlap, who they kind of like just kind of waved down the line because it sounded like he was Texas bound, but now he's not Texas bound. So now it's it's very interesting. Like it, it it's an ever-changing process, just like the high school recruiting, nothing different. 
Sure. And a guy we've offered recently, but didn't really touch on JD Durenzo. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you guys did an interview with him. Um, what are your, what's your feeling on him right now? So that's the other thing is Rutgers could technically take multiple offensive linemen. So there's, yep. there's so many like scenarios here that um, it, it's like I said, a never ending process, but I, I think Rutgers is a legitimate contender being from South Jersey or playing in South Jersey, having Fran Brown on staff is going to help a ton there. Um, ton of South Jersey guys on staff. His head coach is very pro Rutgers. He sent Keyshawn Griffin there last season or last re- recruiting cycle. Um, I do think Rutgers has a really good shot there. We are hearing Virginia is a big player in this one. And as much as he says, locate like location's cool because Rutgers is home. I've been told, we, we talked about this, Mike. We, I've been told that yeah. like location isn't a huge factor in this process, but obviously it will help a little bit. Um, the Oklahoma offer is interesting. I know a lot of people on the boards talked about it. It doesn't mean as much under Venables as it did under Lincoln Riley, but it's still Oklahoma at the end of the day. There's still going to be a damn good program. I do think he'll probably, the issue is he's got, he wants to be in January. He wants to roll in January. He's got to make a decision in like seven days, six days, something like that. Yeah. It's got to come quick. I think the, uh, last, the, the last day for ad drops is the 15th for Rutgers, if I recall correctly. So you, mm-hmm. you got to be in by then at least. Um, I know I like to religiously check the student database. I'm typing in all the transfers <laughs> names, Michael. No, no, all right. Not this one. No, no. All right. We're good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're going back and forth. We're talking to the staff. We're talking to like, everyone just trying to figure out what's going to happen who's who's going where but um the Rutgers is a I'll, I'll put Rutgers in like the top three contention of that one maybe top two debatable it'd be huge he's a really really good player even though he was playing at you know FCS level he was dominating that's what you want to see is guys who are getting those first team all-american accolades second team all-american accolades guys who are grading really well in PFF guys who have been a long-term starter like they got started for four years straight at an FCF school like he started as a true freshman like he's a stud um <laughs> Oh, my bad. My bad. I mean, no, no, no. I did. I had one tangential question I want to talk to you about. Obviously, right. a high school. Before we get to that, give me one sec. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk about how everyone just like a oh, secret heart. We don't need a secret heart guy. Like, dude, have you seen the line over the past couple of years? Number one, it needs any help you can get. Yeah. Number two, let's stop acting like these kids can't play at the next level. We see it every year. Who was it? Northwestern had a Davidson transfer. Someone else had an Arkansas State trip. Yep. We're all starting and dominating in the trenches. Yeah, Zion Johnson from BC is what you're thinking of. Yeah, he was yeah. the first team All-American this year. It, exactly. It's it's wild. Like these kids can play, even though they're at like the lower levels, they can play. There's another kid in uh Eric Wilson who went from Harvard to Penn State last year. That's just one because I know off the top of my head. Uh Hunter Nozard has a top five right now from Cornell, has a top five of Virginia Tech, Auburn, Iowa, Illinois, Penn State. Like yep. these kids can play at the next level. They got to, people have to get the idea of like, you're not a FBS kid. There's no shot you could play here. Like that Kobe reader dominated yep. FCS. And now he's at Iowa state. He's probably going to dominate this year as well. Yeah. And, oh, and line when you're recruiting alignment in high school and uh, especially like you're, it's so much projection. You're like, okay, we could put 60 pounds on this guy. We can get him or we can cut him down to 300. We can do this, do that. And like these guys are 17 years old, but when you're a transfer portal lineman, you're 21 years old. You see what they look like fully developed. There's no, there's hardly any sort of uh, surprise there as to what they can be because they are what they are. Like they're a fully grown man at that point. Yeah, they're all hit or miss at the end of the day. And I, I know the recruiting rankings aren't 100% accurate by any means necessary. And we, we hit or miss on offensive linemen too. Like it's, it's an impossible like 
process to rank these guys because you this guy could be a there's schools like wake forest who we talked with connor o'neill he said yep. yeah they recruit the smaller faster guys so they're bringing in six four two fifty linemen and it's like who the how the hell am i gonna know what he looks like in 50 pounds you don't like you yeah. really don't and then he's all AAC, or all acc and it's like oh shit like oh sure saw that one coming yeah and a lot of it's work ethic too like you know, yes. you could run, you could go through the, the motions in an, uh, in a strength and conditioning program, or you could be that guy who's always the first one in. You could be the guy who stays for extra sessions. Like, yeah. you don't really know what they're going to be because there's so many unknowns, like you're pointing to. And it's all about off-season work, too. I feel like a lot of these guys, it's like they think off-season, and some some guys are lazy, and they'll just be like, off-season, time to go on vacation, time to do this, time to go yep. drink heavily, time to go do whatever. Luka Doncic. Yep. Yeah. And then there's other guys that are just like going around, and they're like, gym every day. Like, you see – it's Giannis. a weird example because I'm bringing up basketball, but you see Jalen Miller and Cliff 5 a.m. on Instagram story yep. in gym, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., 5 a.m., 5 p.m., like constant. And it's like, oh, shit, like these guys are putting in the work. Like good for them. Yeah, for and sure. They get redshirted. <laughs> well, they not anymore. I know. Um, I got to make a little joke there. I did have one more thing before we wrap up because it's going to be a shorter podcast. So I don't want to hold you too long. Um, so, Obviously, the high school coach is super important in high school recruiting. He's kind of the guy who's being the air traffic controller for a lot of these kids. How important is he in the transfer portal recruitment for these guys? Are they going to their head coaches and their high school head coaches and asking for guidance? Or is it kind Um, of case by case? A lot of them will, for example, like like for Sean Ryan, for example, went back to his head coach. And of course, Lamberg and Coach Mousy over there have a huge connection to Rutgers. Um, they love Rutgers. They're clearly send like not influencing, like they're not pushing their guys to a certain school, but th- th- at the end of the day, they're going to take them to Rutgers because it's down the street. It's helpful. It's convenient. It's power five. It's big 10. But um, there's, there's, there's some schools, some cases where I've talked to kids, I've talked to kids in the past and they're just like, I'm like, Oh yeah. What's your high school coach think? He's like, dude, I haven't talked to that guy since senior year. Are you kidding me? And it's like, Oh wow. Well, I guess you just didn't like him then. But <laughs> Other kid, most of the time, you'll hear the kid talk to his high school coach. That's one of the guys that kind of kind of raised him a little bit, you could say. Sure. In a certain aspect. I know Greg likes to compare himself to, like, a parent at times because he is raising these kids. He's not just developing them as football players, but into men in, like, normal life. And that's, that's the same when it comes to high school coaches. You have them as young, immature kids for the most part, and you got to teach them a little bit. You got to teach them the ways of football, teach them the ways of – time management, life in general. And most of them will come back to their high school coaches and ask for advice. And that's where kind of connections kind of help out a little bit. And they'll be like, oh, this high school coach is friends with, just giving a random example, be like friends with Taekwondo Underwood from, they both went to Notre Dame high school or something like that. Yep. And that's how the connection forms there. And then blah, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. And then down the line, you'll see the Notre Dame coach reach out again to Rutgers. Like, I have this kid, like, hey, remember, remember we did this and we got that transfer kid there? I have this kid that's better or something, something along those lines. Sure. But uh, yeah, it definitely plays a big factor. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, if you look at who E-Hall's got moving forward, adding another kid is not a bad thing because it seems like they're only loading up more with like transfers from around the New York City area. They're one hell of a talented program. And uh, there's a few guys in the 2023, 2024, 2025 class who we'd be really lucky to land. Yeah, I think they're without a doubt the top program in New York. I don't think there's any question with that one um there's the 2024 class alone has three kids that have multiple power five offers i i think Caden brown for example is gonna be one of the best kids in the country he, yep. he 
just freaky good at like 6'4", 210, and he's just slowly grasping the concept of how good he can be. His potential to the roof. Jalen Ballyu has, I think, seven or eight power five offers at tight end. He's a tight end, yeah. Um, Aris Bathia is the younger brother of Armin Bathia. Um, obviously, Armin didn't really pay attention to Rutgers that much. I'm hearing it's a little different with Aris. Aris? Aris? I don't, I'm so bad with names, dude. It's ridiculous. Um, they have a couple 2023s as well. Like, you're going to see um, – I think E-Hall and the Rutgers is going to be a pipeline that's going to be going for a long, long time. That's awesome to hear. Uh, so this has been our pod, guys. If you like the instant reaction pods, let us know. Uh, we'll, we'll keep doing these as we get new commitments. But uh, just wanted to give you guys this information as soon as we were getting it because it's pretty exciting first transfer commit of the year. Richie, you got anything else you want to say before we sound off? No, like, like I said, uh, we got everything on the boards. Uh, we got a 30-day free trial going on. TKR30 is the promo code. Um, we're kind of posting stuff nonstop every day. I know after we did the pod on Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever it was, uh, I know Alex posted right away that Sean Ryan Rutgers, we were very confident about it, talked about it. He's actually, like I said, he's going to talk to him shortly. We're going to have a video on the site. Uh, he's doing a Zoom call right now with him. So we'll have more on that later and then uh, more transfer stuff to come. Awesome. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.